TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to 100 Not Out, featuring your hosts, Dr. Damien Christoph and Marcus Pierce. Hello and welcome to 100 Not Out, a weekly show dedicated to helping you master the art of aging well. Marcus Pierce here with you and it gives me so much pleasure, maybe not quite as much as it could in other days because we've got a very special guest, but Damo, <laughs> the Wellness Couch co-founder, the Wellness Guys legend, it's a bit exciting to have you on, but we are a little bit excited because at short notice one of our great mates has joined us today. Is that exciting? Not a little bit excited, I'm so excited. I love it when this guy gives me a call. I love when I get a text message from him. I love when he calls me up and says, do you want to star in my next movie? Um, I love all that sort of stuff. So it feels so unbelievably great that we've invited him onto our amazing, world-class, world number one longevity podcast, the per- um, Mr. Carl Broccoli. <laughs> the person we are speaking Broccoli. about is Mr. Carl Broccoli, the founder Woo-hoo! of the Gut Movie, the uh, director <laughs> Of the longevity film and uh, Kale just before he gut healing protocol award winning author podcaster <laughs> dead set legend uh, before he heads over I, to Europe. I, I wild. <laughs> Uh, he's been good enough. We're going to talk all over each other on this podcast. So I can just see it. He has been good enough to join us before he heads over to Europe for the next installment of the longevity film. Kale Brock, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, guys. Thanks for the last minute invite onto the show. Well, no one would know. No one would know if we didn't mention it. This is the thing, right? <laughs> the great thing about podcasting is that no one has to know that stuff. It's well, kind of like if you get a par, but you hit every single shot from the bushes, you still got a par. It's the same. It doesn't matter. Well, whilst whilst score's been going up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whilst we are outing ourselves uh, with all types of truth bombs on last week's episode, which we only recorded uh, five minutes ago, we were talking about the divergence between biohacking one's way to uh, 100 and learning via observation, uh, which we have attempted to do via interviewing a lot of people on uh, 100 Not Out and going on the trip to Ikaria, which, Kale, you are about to do. But you are recently back from Okinawa, and in terms of the power of observation, um, in the conversations that Damo and I have had with you, it was quite profound. What what has what what have you noticed in your own? Um, well, let's first of all start off on the trip with Okinawa. What did you notice over there that really hit you for six? I I think the biggest thing is is there's an edginess about the older people over there that I rarely see over here amongst the the frailty and the and the fragile the fragility that we tend to maybe associate um, correctly or incorrectly with the elderly over here and you know even simple things like getting up one morning we were hanging out in one of the downtown sort of really cool district on the ocean and then one morning we woke up it was very stormy and windy and we were meant to be filming this tai chi session and i went down thinking oh there's probably only going to be a couple of people there feeling obliged to come because we've organized to come and film them and it ended up being this massive group of people including this one lady who's 97 years old who um kiko who had a young friend who who was actually eight years old or something like that and just watching her conduct herself amongst the group that was the first inklings i sort of had with 
this concept that I'm talking about in terms of them just having this vibrance, this edginess about them. And so, that totally belies their age. Okay, we'll just go back there. Um, Kiko son had a friend of hers there that was eight years old, did you say? Yeah, or so a very – no, eight. Yeah, so a very um, big big uh, span of years in, in between separating them, yeah. You make a big point. You make a big point there and we see this, you know. You, you hear about the young people learning from the old people and the old people learning from the young people. This is part of this longevity thing. Mm, interesting. There's a cross-generational interaction that seems to go on on a daily basis and this occurs maybe because – as well, um, we noticed that a lot of families tend to live either next door or above their grandparents or their or their um, their parents. You know, so there's almost four generations living in the household at a time, or at least down the street. They were saying that um, to to know that you've moved in in an appropriate sort of uh, distance to your family, you should be able to heat up soup like miso soup. And, and walk it over to your relative's house and it should still be hot enough to enjoy. And if it goes cold, they're too far. <laughs> if it's still Gosh. too hot, perhaps they're too close. <laughs> but um, that, that was the sort of idea that we, we heard and, and observed for sure when I, when I stayed with the local family there. Since you've come back from Okinawa, um, again, Damo and I have both seen you in the flesh and had some really strong conversations. But for our listeners, um, can you enlighten them with what – has shifted in your own life since you've um, had that experience in Okinawa? It's still happening and it's hard for me to articulate it at, at this time. Like I'm still sort of processing. When I came back, the, the only thing I wanted to do was to just sort of sit back and observe and, and reflect on what I want to achieve with my life and the fact that what I do want to achieve has taken me away from where my parents are living, where my family's living and how that might be impacting me in a way that I'm not aware of and how it might impact me in the future if I decide to stay away from um, being in close proximity of my family and all those sorts of different things start to run through my mind. And I love being able to do that in a sort of objective way, to be to do it in a curious, non-judgmental way um, because, you know, there are other things that become really important to consider such as uh, career and, and purpose and surfing and fun and all those different things. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's a bit of a turbulent, if you will, time for me where I sort of reassess everything. But I think those uh, changes and that progression is interesting to document and capture on film and that's what we're trying to do. Yeah, and Damo, I'd love for you to, if you can recall, um, how you felt after our first trip to Ikaria. But just as you were talking then, Kale, you know, when you talk, you're for me, you're that 96-year-old woman uh, Kiko son or 97 uh, like you you could be the 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 older generation that's then going to raise uh, if you become a parent or the rest of you raise children that will then be uh, potentially that eight-year-old child if you know what I mean that has the the relationship so I think and I probably say this with a bit of bias because we did the same thing as you and we, we moved into state away from family so on and so forth but that's a decision more for our children short-term pain for long-term gain over over the long run. Um, so I think that's just this is an important distinction. But Damo, you had similar 
Turbulence, I don't know if that's the right word, but I distinctly remember in 2016 after Ikaria, you were either you'd gone home via Dubai and you came back and you're just like the world's stuffed. Like I just I can't handle it. Um, can you recall that? I was, yeah, I can. I recall it very vividly because we went from this kind of we went from a busy life um, with eyes wide open, wondering what were, what were we going to find when we land in this beautiful pristine environment of Ikaria. And I didn't really know what to expect in Ikaria because and, and definitely I expected more than what we got in Ikaria because. I didn't realize that you could live that simply. But then we go to Ikaria and we live in Ikaria and it's like super chilled out, super relaxed, and it changed my mindset, my life. The pace of me slowed right down. Jackson and I were walking so fast backwards that people, you know, were surprised. Amber said to us, can you guys just speed up a little bit? She was so frustrated. So we um, we went to Dubai afterwards and Dubai is just a, a terrible horrible <laughs> concrete jungle in the middle of a desert, you know, and and you're there, people are moving fast, there's rudeness, there's terse, the people just aren't lovely, not like they are in Ikaria. And and so I was so conflicted. I was really, you know, confused. And then we got back to Australia and I was actually quite grumpy. Like I was grumpy, grumpy to be back in Australia because I, I could see what was happening in our fabric in society and where we were heading and, and our approach to stuff, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, my book th- that I'd written would would make this worse. I don't want to be contributing to that." So I stopped writing my book. So yeah, it was an upheaval for me. That's that's for sure, Carl Broccoli. I know how you, I kind of know how you're feeling, and I'm excited to find out how you feel when you visit all these other places that you're going to too. Now, yeah, there's a yeah. natural despondency, even if it's that post-travel hangover, whatever you want to call it, where you sort of reassess your own situation based off what you've just uh, gone and experienced. And I sort of did the same thing, and I, I'd shared this with you guys, how I went from Okinawa to mainland Japan, which were just polar opposites. And, again, um, I think you and I, we've, we've spoken about this in reviewing our own work and where that's taken the wellness industry, you sort of question that. And I know that what's sad, I think, is that, I've just looked at how my reach and and the results in terms of exposure and and even if you want to go as far as saying book sales and all that sort of stuff, they've absolutely gone down since I've become less prescriptive in how I talk to everybody and more generic. But you can sort of see that perhaps being more micro and more um, nitty-gritty may not be the best approach for actually ageing well. Well, we were, yeah, well, we were mentioning, so your name came up about 50 times in the last episode because we were, <laughs> we were just every conversation we had, um, your name came up and we were talking about, uh, the Google futurist Ray Kurzweil, who's renowned for having up to a hundred pills a day. And, and we went through the list. Um, and we were saying that for someone that is literally Google's futurist and one of the perceived, like, most intelligent men in the world, um, it's a concern because, that that's their philosophy of aging well is I just take a hundred of the most well researched pills and I'll be well. But you know, for you and for Damo and for myself and hopefully for a lot of our listeners, it's you know, the the power is in observing how people that have aged well do it. And we we still can't find anyone that's taking a hundred pills a day, age one hundred, saying this is the reason why why it's worked. I think there's this. Um... I'm trying to find a better word, but there's this arrogance in the West where we feel like we 
we have to be the ones pioneering a new space and we have to be the ones driving a new trend. But, I mean, if I want to be a good surfer, I'm going to watch Kelly Slater surf and try and copy him. I'm yes. not going to go and build my own surfboard and try and do it that way. Maybe there's an argument that we're trying to push the frontiers of ageing out to 150 as a regular age. But as soon as you start to open up that can of worms, you have to start to talk about the quality of life as well. So I guess there's sort of two prongs. We have to look at, I suppose, segregating natural healthy ageing to scientifically supported or scientifically controlled ageing. And maybe that's where it'll go. There'll be this big sort of um, fork in the road where, where people do go down different routes. But I'm, I mean, I'm a, I'm a bit of a naturalist and I like to do what you sort of suggested and that's to learn from and copy the best in the world. And if we look at the best in the world, in the blue zones, um, then then they're doing some pretty simple things. Like Damien said, it's not this complex array of supplements or, you know, rosemary oil and, and herbal tea that is, is uh, contributing to their longevity. It might be in some part, but there's a pretty simple formula that goes with it. Whether we can recreate that here, I think, is the bigger question. That's kind of where the film is, is going. Kyle Broccoli. How do we um, how do we measure successful aging? You know, like we we go to the blue zones. Uh, well, you go to the blue zones. I'm not rich enough to go to the blue zones. You are. <laughs> um, so you go to the blue zones. You're cheeky, and, uh, Damo. You are so interview cheeky. these people and learn stuff. <laughs> but you mentioned um, the people that are doing it the best. So you go Kelly Slater. Yeah. I think anybody who makes it to 100 years old is doing it great. Like, I think they're doing a really great job at it. To be a world champion at something, it doesn't matter if you stumble across the line or if you bolt across the line or if you catch the biggest wave or score the best or whatever it is, if you make it to 100, you're successful at it. So what's your secret? How did you get there? It's, it's generally not a fluke. It's generally not a fluke. So is is it okay, Kyle, to make it to 100, stumble across, the line, make it to 100, and yes, tick, congratulations, we got there. And if that's the case, um, would it would it be just good enough for us to take heaps of drugs and tablets and stumble across the line at 100 years old? Or <laughs> do we make it to 100 a different way? Or do we make not make it to 100 um, and still have a better life? What, what's your feeling around that? Well, I mean, I'd always go, and I think anyone would, would go for quality over quantity and this is the reality and Marcus shared this with me when I interviewed him for the film as well a much better interview than the one I did with um, this guy oh. Dr. Christoph oh, 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 oh. this is getting oh. ugly this is getting ugly oh, oh my gosh oh, wow. oh dear oh, this is awkward this is getting awkward oh my gosh I think he's going to crack it <laughs> he's, he's cracked it, he's out. <laughs> anyway, anyway, what I was saying, <laughs> what I was saying was Marcus shared with me that us in Australia, we're sitting at fourth, I believe, on expect, um, life, life expectancy. expectancy yeah. However, in terms of quality of life, we're sitting at 14th, is that correct? Yep. So that's a massive issue and what we see, I think, 
very commonly, this is not just sporadically, we see it in most instance, instances, we see people bouncing in and out of hospital for the last 10 years of their life and generally not having a great quality of life for those last 10 years. I think that is where we fail in a massive way here in Australia, in the US. I mean, the US have some of the highest per capita spending on medical um, expenses and they're still not faring very well. So I think that you have to question whether it's worth those extra 10 years if those are going to be horribly uh, unhealthy years. And you have to look at quality of life and and relationships and how they're affected and and all the different things that we sort of value and, and take away from this whole experience. But there's, there's an argument and there's certainly a biased argument coming from the medical space, I think, that, you know, we can use these pills to extend ageing, we can use things like metformin or whatever to look after our, our blood sugar, our telomeres or whatever. And, you know, you can take that pill and you can undo all the all the drinks you have on Friday night that you save up from Monday to Thursday. <laughs> I don't think that's pr- probably an approach that's going to work. Number one, it's too convoluted because if we take a pill that might balance our blood sugar, it might not help us deal with the emotional stress that we're experiencing. Mm-hmm. Whereas if we start to look at this as a holistic lifestyle of healthy ageing, then I think we're going to be – it's a far more empowering notion to actually give someone great health regardless of the amount of time they're going to spend here because <clears throat> you can tell someone that they're going to reach 95, but if you can't guarantee them quality of life whilst they're here, then you're almost missing the point because when we're lying there – and, and maybe we go to sleep and we don't wake up. I think if we look back on it, we're going to really value those things which are only possible when we have a certain amount of of health and and good bodily function. Now, what something. Do you guys think? Uh, well, I think we all agree here. As I said, I'd much rather get hit by a bus on the way home than uh, be sitting in a hospital bed for. For 10 years. You mentioned convoluted. Something that convolutes a lot of people's minds around longevity is nutrition. Now, Damo is still reeling from the fact that Dan Butner hasn't replied to his one email requesting an interview on 100 really? Not Out. You are I'll send going him to. One. I'm going to send you, him another one. You are going to interview Dan when you're over in the States. Um, now. We, we, we do have it scheduled in, but <laughs> we never know. Well, you never know until it's done. <laughs> but. Um, Without wanting to sound controversial, there is a bit of conjecture in this longevity space that maybe Dan's nutritional philosophies have differed um, and some people aren't sure whether they like that or not. Um, there's a view that it's it's more ve- it's, well, it's not it is more vegan or vegetarian. It is a vegan or vegetarian approach that he is now recommending um, rather than the little bit of meat that he used to recommend based on observation of the Blue Zone cultures. Um You've been in Okinawa. Are they having meat? And uh, what do you expect to come out of the longevity film when it comes to discussing meat um, in the diet? I was sitting down with two elderly Okinawan women. They were cousins, and one was 102 and one was 98. And pretty successful ages, you could say. Each looking after themselves. Yep, independent. So very, very uh, doing well, you could say. I said, what's the secret? 
Um, what's something that you eat every day that you think has helped you live a long time? And the 98-year-old said, lots of vegetables. Every single day, lots of vegetables. And then I said, and what about you, to the 102-year-old? And she said, a little bit of pork every day. (laughs) (laughs) So what we experienced was this massive variety in what the elderly people were eating. We were going to these Morai meetings, we were going to these community meetings, and there were little sugary sweets there. There was green tea that you could tell had sugar in it. There was um, Yoshiko, uh, Yoshiko, one of our elder people that we hung out with who sung karaoke for about probably four or five hours that day, was dancing up on stage for the community meeting. She was drinking beer, you know. So there was this massive... Uh, variety and, and no consistency that we could see besides it being a relatively whole foods um, based diet that was quite plain. That's the, the best way that I could describe the Okinawan food. There was lots of seaweed, which I'm a massive fan of. Um, there were lots of vegetables, but there was also pig's ears, um, pig, pig broth, like bone broth made from pig bones. Um, there was lots of fish. They're very, very big on seafood there. But if you, I listened to an interview with Dan and he sort of justified his uh, vegan approach now by saying that he used to tell people to have a little bit of meat, but that translated to some people just eating lots of meat. So to avoid any confusion, he decided to tell people to stop eating meat altogether. Um, but Damien and I were speaking about this before, and if we learn that diet is only one aspect of longevity and health and well-being, and maybe, which I'm trying to learn, maybe it's only a small component, mm. then perhaps by Dan saying go vegan, it may not have huge implications if diet is not such a big deal. But mm. what if? having lots of vegetables and a little bit of protein is the key to optimal nutrition for longevity. We don't know. Mm. So, again, I think the best idea is to actually mimic and copy the people who do it well. And what do they do? You guys know they have small amounts of animal protein and lots of vegetables and lots of whole foods and some grains and some fruits. And And that's in every culture, yeah. Yeah, so... I don't know. I don't know why. Yeah, I'm not sure. It's interesting. I I do plan on asking Dan. I can't wait to find out. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait to find out. It is interesting, isn't it? I had pork the other day. It's amazing. (laughs) Anyway, I was so grumpy after I had the pork and I was like agitated and Amber said, what are you so agitated for? I said, I'm not agitated. And she said, you are agitated. <laughs> said, Stop raising your voice at me. She said, I'm not raising my voice. And I said, hang on a second. I think it's because I had pork. Oh, wow. And she said, no, it's because Richmond lost the football. You're grumpy because <laughs> Richmond lost the football. <laughs> anyway, so I thought that maybe it was the pork that was making me grumpy. But this lady eats pork every single day. I think that's really interesting. And the reason why I think it's interesting is because there's not one consistent thing that every single person that we've interviewed who's aged really well does consistently with nutrition. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, like if we compared, say, our top 10 interviewees, 
uh, from a nutrition perspective, none of them would be doing the same thing. Maybe they might drink coffee, uh, but in terms of the timing of that, that might be you know midnight, or it might be at you know eight o'clock in the morning. So, oh, Piercy, we might be learning something even more that nutrition has even less of a role to play with this. So, does that mean mean that uh, isolated nutrients might even be even less significant? Mm. Well, in the in the science of observation, I think we will find that um, these people that are putting a really high value on hacking their way to longevity through supplements, the mm. the proof will be in the observation. You mentioned that in the last episode. If so, if people doing this diet eighty nine, um, then that's that's all the proof we need, isn't it? Um, so. Brocky, let's find out more about the film, the longevity film coming out in, is it November 5, the world premiere? That's the plan, November 5 in Sydney and then a big tour around Australia and there'll probably have there'll probably be some screenings um, internationally as well, independently organised. Wow. Wow. Tell you what. I think I'll have staff travel then, so if you need me at any point. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Tokyo, Cannes Film Festival. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't know. It's it's always a big slog doing doing a film. So um, the the future distribution channels are still yet to be determined. But we'll definitely do that tour because I think when you get so many people in a room and you're all feeling it and and there's that vibe happening, then I think that's when big change occurs far far more than just watching it on your phone at home or on the TV at home. And that may be the most important message behind the, the this whole experience is that we need to do those things more often. We need to connect more often and become engaged with our community more often. So I'm hoping that the events that we do can have some element of that built into it. I'm not sure how yet. Um, but I'd love to love to explore that. Well, the very fact that you're having people come together in real life and watch the movie rather than it being an online screening, which there obviously will be afterwards, but that in itself is social. To know that you're in a room of like-minded people is powerful enough in itself. Um, all right, so for, for people that are going, all right, I want to watch this movie when it comes out, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, uh, Brocky, go over to Kale Brock, that's K-A-L-E-B-R-O-C-K.com.au. Make sure part of your, you are part of the community of inspired thinkers and enter your email address there to get first dibs on when and where the longevity film is screening. Brocky, you're an absolute gun for putting together empowering documentaries. Can't thank you enough because Damo and I are often whinging and moaning about the health scare that goes on with documentaries. (laughs) And honestly, you are to be commended for being one of the few that actually has the guts and determination to put together empowering films um, because in this space at the moment, it's a a rare thing. So thanks for all that you do for the industry and uh, we cannot wait to see the longevity film, which Damo thinks he's the number one head honcho rock star of. Um, (laughs) As of November 5, good luck in Ikaria and over in the States uh, observing how the world's best uh, ages do it. And, yeah, thanks so much for joining us again on 100 Not Out. Thanks for having me, boys. Good on you, Brocky. And congratulations, mate, on making another movie. I'm looking forward to the next uh, next one, the next iteration. But uh, it really is great that you do what you do and that you're such a young whippersnapper. But uh, it's amazing that you're doing all this. Good on you, mate. And, Thank Brocky, you. did you know that Damo looks at himself every night in the mirror and says, I am the only one from the gut movie that's been invited back. I am the only one from the gut movie that's yeah. been invited back. It's like a mantra he tells himself every single day. I think it's he's got it on the back of his phone, like on the protector, and he's got a little um, – Sticker on the on the back of the car. So I've got a tattoo, got a tattoo to my forearm. Yeah. 
<laughs> I think at Vita at practice, he's got it up on the wall, and um, it's it's that's his new it's his new self promotion tool that he is the only one from the Gut Movie that's being able to um, come on on the next uh, doco. So good on you, Damo. You are the rock star of wellness. It is great. <laughs> To be uh to be part of this together, and again, folks, if you haven't uh, subscribed already, head over to klebrock.com.au to be first notified. Thanks again, uh, Damo. As always, uh, head on over to damienchristoff.com for more of the great man stuff. Myself over at marcuspierce.com.au. We thank you, our loyal listeners, for being part of this podcast. Share it with a friend. Open up a whole new world to them. Teach them how to listen to podcasts. And until next week, as always, continue to make the rest of your life the best of your life. Bye for now. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.